0: Frequently, yes? So we want to be thankful for that, yeah? And that, to me, that's a miracle. Because I can't have faith without that. I can't have faith without the Word of God. So the Word of God is a great gift, yes? Uh, If you had uh, one of those, if you're filling out one of those cards, uh, leave that on your chair. We want to collect those uh, so we can share them week by week. So leave that testimony on your chair and... uh, and then we can share some of those. Amen? Is that all right? Don't be getting all quiet on me. It's supposed to be a shouting church. Amen? If you're here, you know, I was just sitting here. Uh, if you're here just coming to the Lord, giving your life to the Lord, uh, starting, initiating a relationship with the Lord, I want you to know, we want you to know as a church this morning, uh, it's about as simple as getting married. Hours and maybe years of preparation, but the ceremony's done in a few minutes. Right? And it's a covenant relationship, and so you're just pledging your heart to another person. We did that about 35 years ago. They're pledging their heart to you. And you're pledging to begin to live for them instead of just live for yourself. They're pledging to live for you instead of themselves. This is the crazy thing about God. God God wants to enter into that kind of a covenant, that kind of a relationship with you. And when you accept that, then you're accepting that he's actually pledged to live for you. So how can you lose if you pledge to live for him? That's a pretty good marriage, right? I think he's a little richer than you are low risk. This is a low risk marriage. Uh, and uh, so, that's, so that's what this is all about. And if you're here this morning just kind of processing that and, and it's new to you or you want to make sure that you have begun a relationship with God, uh, let's pray over that right now. Amen. Let's pray together. So heads bowed, eyes closed. We'll do it that way, kind of churchy and religious, but let's do it that way. And let's just say this together. Father, I want a marriage with you, with your Son, Jesus Christ. I want to enter into that relationship. I receive right now that you are living for me. Jesus, as Savior, as Redeemer, as Restorer, you're living for me. And so I'm pledging right now to live for you. And I welcome this marriage relationship. I welcome you also to just come alive on the inside of me, make my spirit live, make my heart alive, fill me with the hope and the life that you bring as I welcome this marriage to now begin. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love, could you hand me my water real quick? Um, let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. We're in Hebrews. Sorry about that. Probably not much in it, but a little wash would be good. Uh, we're in Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, I want to go there today and talk a little bit more about um, this rest of Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4. And uh, talk a little bit about some of what we see in this passage. Is that All right. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, and uh, you can follow on the screens as well. By the way, if you're reading out of a different translation than the King James, New King James, New American Standard, it might be a little different. I'm going to be reading out of the New American Standard. Uh, There are differences in these translations a little bit. So I like the New American Standard because it is very close to the Greek, uh, and so we don't need to uh, often go back and refer to the Greek uh, when it gets to this one portion out of chapter four, verse two, uh, I like I like how the King James uh, renders the Greek right there, uh, and so we might refer to that as well. But um, you know, there's there's benefit from different translations, but then it's always good to go back to you know what what did the Greek say? Sometimes we can learn a lot from the original language. Amen. So verse one. Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we've had good news preached to us just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. And this is where I like the King James right there. It says, It was not mixed with faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest. We who have believed enter that rest. Who enters the rest? We who have believed. Just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they, somebody, way back there. Everybody say they. Talking about somebody that was naughty. They shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, again... He again fixes a certain day, saying today, saying through David, so long after a period, a time, just as been spoken before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given him rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has also rested from his works as God did his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of whom we have to do. You know what he's saying right there? You can't fake this. That's what he's saying there. God's going to know if you've entered into rest or not. You might fool some people, but you won't fool God. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who is passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. I like that. You know what the throne is? It's a throne of grace. Is that good? It's a throne that is flowing with unmerited favor and the power to do what God has called us to do. That's cool. I like that. You like that? Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That's a big chapter. Yeah. So I want to focus in on rest again today. And this verse 2 especially where it says in the King James and it says here in the New American Standard that they heard the good news preached to them. Now who heard the good news preached to them? This is the children of Israel coming out of... They came out of bondage in Egypt. They came through the Red Sea. Then where did they go after... Bondage in Egypt, through the Red Sea, where did they go next? They were supposed to cross through what was a barren, dry desert land into the Promised Land. But And we know it as the wilderness, right? So they were supposed to go directly from bondage through the Red Sea, which Colossians tells us was symbolic of the waters of baptism into the promised land, but instead they had a 40-year detour. And it says they marched around the same mountain for essentially 40 years and lived in what is known as a wilderness instead of going in to the promised land. So, and God says... Way back there, Numbers 13 and 14, God says that he was upset with those people. He made all these promises to Moses, to Jacob, to Isaac, to Abraham. To He's made all these promises that he would bring them in, that he would bring them out of bondage. They would sojourn in the land of Egypt for a period. Then they would come out with great victory with great goods with 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 riches they came out with riches and then they would go into this beautiful land that he'd promised Abraham but that whole generation would not believe and it says that they actually had good news preached to them what is the gospel that we have called the good news they also had the good news preached to them. They had good news preached to them. It was a good news declaration. There were prophets. There were priests. There, were, there was the declaration of Moses and Joshua and all of this stuff was going on. It started way back uh, to Abraham, right? And uh, one of my favorites is in, uh, see if we can find it. One of my favorites let's go there, if we can find it, is uh, Deuteronomy 7:17. 7, Deuteronomy 7:17. 7, if you say in your heart, "These nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them." You shall well remember that the Lord your God, what the Lord your God, did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt, the great trials which your eyes saw and the signs and wonders and the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. Now they were to go into the promised land and the promised land was was inhabited by seven nations, and these seven nations were great and in the midst of these seven nations were giants and they considered that these seven nations were greater and mightier than they so he 's warning them this is way before this is way before they ever arrived. These are like prophetic words of good news, God in advance telling them that when you When you head off on your journey, don't say, and when you see even giants that are inhabiting the promise that I've given to you, don't say, they're too big. Don't say, they're mightier than me, so I can't do this. Don't say that. Remember what I did for you. So shall the Lord... Your God do to all the peoples of whom you're afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet against them. How many of you know God has secret weapons? God will send the hornet against them until those who are left and hide themselves from you perish. You shall not dread them for the Lord. Can you imagine God dispossessing the enemies in the promised land? With swarms of hornets, leaving luxury homes behind. Vineyards, farms, businesses, running as fast as they can go. Just gathering up what they can and getting out. Doesn't that sound like fun? Can you imagine watching that? You're on your way. You're coming into your territory, the territory that was promised you. Remember, Joshua divided up the land by lot. He divided up the territory by lot. Joshua. Joshua. Jesus in the Greek. Joshua in the Hebrew. Jesus has divided up the land by lot. He has divided up your inheritance. He has already determined for you an inheritance in your generation. He's divided it up. And as you take off to come into your territory, you notice there's giants here. And you notice they're really big. and But you notice they've got luxury stuff all built up. And they've got some vast stuff and some cool stuff. But as you approach, just with the little hokey weapons that you have, as you approach you you and you just i'm not going to stop i'm not going to stop i'm just going to keep coming and as you approach you notice that there's these little bumblebee thingy bobbers and they're chasing them and biting them on the bottom and you'll notice that they're that on the other side of the property there they are leaving as fast as they can go I really don't think the Hornets showed up until you showed up. You know, you, you like, it's like kind of a simultaneous happening. Like if you stay back and you look with your, if you stay back and you look with your, and, and, and you're looking through your binoculars and you see, oh, these guys are, this, oh, this, this business is way too big for me. Oh, this calling is way too big for me. This enterprise is way too big for me. Oh, oh, this is, I, I'll, I'll never get that done. Oh, oh, my goodness. If you're looking from a distance, it's going to look overwhelming. But as you approach, as you approach, you notice this large swarm coming down. And as you approach, there they go. There they go. There goes Trouble. There goes competition. There goes difficulty. There goes the demonic realm. Just reading the Bible. You shall not dread them, for the Lord your God is in your midst, a great and an awesome God. The Lord your God will clear away these nations before you little by little. Little by little. Everybody say little by little. That's interesting. Your victories in your assignment. don't all come at once your victories in your assignment come little by little you have to build your infrastructure you have to grow in your enablement to manage it's going to happen little by little You will not be able to put an end to them quickly, for the wild beasts would grow too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them before you and throw them into great confusion until they are destroyed. Isn't that wild? Now, I want to go back to this. Uh, uh, I want to go back to this section is that they had the good news preached to them as well. I was looking for normal food in my home. And I couldn't find any. But we do have a we do have a Betty Crocker cookbook, and this is consider this the Rema and the logos of cooking right here. We've probably owned this thing thirty five years. Have we owned it thirty five years? Did we get it for our wedding? How did we get this? I mean, this thing is tattered and torn. That's right. It's a wonder my belly's not bigger, because this woman can cook up some good food right here. But we have moved on from Betty Crocker. Actually, we went to Betty, from Betty Crocker to Betty Wolf. That's Grandma. And then we also, now we're in Pinterestville. Now we're over in Pinterestville, so we're not getting a lot of wear and tear on this. But, but when, when it comes to these ingredients, right, we, we've got to put in some stuff... With regard to the outcome, if we want a particular outcome, and this is like the destiny word over our lives, this is like, this is even like today's word over your life. This is, uh, uh, what, what is it, what is it we need to get done today? What is it we need to get done with regard to purpose, with regard to destiny, with regard to assignment, Right? And so, there are particular ingredients to get that done. And this here, by the way, this is not a lesson on cooking. But this was coconut flour. How's that, how's that sound? And this recipe might call for, you know, a few oats, by way of metaphor. And, uh, and we got coconut sugar. I mean, that sounds good. Who wants a nibble right now? Jasmine does. Sandy does. Okay, we'll throw a little coconut sugar in there. Okay, we have got to sweeten up this uh, promise because it's called good news, right? Now you you got to be careful here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with baking powder, right? And we're gonna we're gonna say that. Uh, you know what I forgot? Oh my goodness, I forgot. Uh, forgot the eggs. This could be a pretty bad uh, recipe right here. We're going to let the oil, we're going to let the oil represent the Holy Spirit's part, okay? So we're letting the oil represent the Holy Spirit's part. So in, in everyday living, the Holy Spirit's involved and... Uh, He's giving you, he's, he's wanting to give you his portion for everyday living. Uh, he's wanting to give you that which is from above. And uh, we refer to it often as the word of God. Uh, but it's, it's the inspiration. It's that which is inspired of God, right? So we're going to throw a little bit of the God portion in here. Uh, but as you know, many of you know, and by the way, Uh, I have small skills in cooking, very small. But as many of you know, you've got to have something usually to make the recipe rise. And uh, and what I want you to catch is that, that that's you, that's you working with the ingredients the Lord has given you. Now, um, just last week, Jasmine threw some stuff in the, what do they call that thing we've got? The ninja. She's going to make some pancakes. You ever, you ever made pancakes and mixed the batter too long? And it killed the baking powder? And, and it wouldn't rise? So for us, to, for us to get this thing to rise, for us to get the recipe to cooperate... We're going to call the baking powder your faith. Your faith. You have to mix your faith with the ingredients that are relative to this recipe and with with what God has given you concerning this recipe. You've got to mix your faith with it, or this thing won't rise. How many of you know that's important? A lot of times we'll have a prophetic word even, like we'll receive a word, and we just like, oh, that's going to come to pass, right? Then it doesn't come to pass because trouble comes along, the enemy comes along, struggles come along, and we let it get stolen, and maybe we don't even realize it's getting stolen. But we find ourselves saying, well... Uh, If it be his will, it'll come to pass, right? Or maybe contradictions are working, and those contradictions get us to begin to steer our mind to alternatives. Well, if if it doesn't come to pass, we'll just do this. The moment I start planning for an alternative, I've killed the baking powder. My faith is no longer mixed with the good news of the word that I'd received. The word, the vision, the direction. So I've got to mix my faith and for this word to come to pass. And this is, this I want you to see this is, and he talks here in chapter 4 about entering the Sabbath rest, right? That Christ has become our rest. So he's a rest in, in several dimensions. One, he's a rest from the worry of self-righteousness, trying to get, uh, trying to get approval with God. He is a rest from... toiling the toil of Adam and Eve that we see once they were removed from the garden. Because in the garden, they had the blessing of God on their lives, but but removed from the garden, they're given over to toil, and it says they're going to eat by the sweat of their brow. And all of these things start coming up, thistles and thorns, and prohibiting them from from that which is good. So this is part of the rest that we're entering into. We're entering into the rest of the righteousness of Jesus. We're entering into the rest of the blessing of God on our lives. Right? But we're also, we're we're entering into this situation and we see this with the children of Israel. And I I want to bring it to your attention is that we have maybe a tendency to confuse rest with comfort. So the rest that he calls us to in Jesus, which is Greek for Joshua, is a very similar picture to the rest that he called them to in the promised land. With Joshua which is Hebrew for Jesus. So one was a foreshadowing of the reality that we partake of in Jesus. Yes? Are you getting that? So that this Old Testament story contains a lot for us to understand about the rest that we're supposed to abide in right now. And this rest that he called them into, the rest that he calls us into, is not comfort. There's actually huge tension in it. There's there's tension in this rest. Because Jesus, the Joshua of our salvation, Jesus, is this overcomer is this victorious one who has called us, called us to enter into his victory. And even as they were called to displace, to dispossess all of those seven nations' enemies that were now dwelling in their promised land when they showed up, we too are called of God to take territory To overcome enemies. To walk in Jesus in such a way that we have victory with regard to what we're called to. So if the rest that Jesus gives us, if this rest was a rest of righteousness only and a rest of forgiveness through Jesus because he He has satisfied the demands of the law on our behalf so we can rest. We can take a rest in Him. We can hide in Him because the demands of the law couldn't be fulfilled by anyone but Jesus. Jesus is the perfect one. He fulfills the demands of the law. We enter into Him. We're forgiven. Now we can rest. Okay? Try that tomorrow morning though. Just try, just try. You could stay in bed and try it, or you could try it. I mean you, you could try it downstairs at the breakfast table. I'm forgiven. You going to work? Nope, I'm forgiven. What are you going to do today? Nothing. I'm forgiven. I'm taking my rest. I've got to rest. I'm resting. Uh, that's, that's, that's good. What, what else are you going to do today? Not a thing. How about tomorrow? Not a thing. How about the next day? Not a thing. The next day? Nothing. What are you doing? I've entered into Rest. Uh, That's good. That's real. So this, you can see that this goes beyond forgiveness. This goes beyond forgiveness. This goes beyond uh, just righteousness and standing before God and and having a relationship with God. This rest is actually found in the midst of the tension of overcoming taking territory, entering into promise, and thus Christians really are called to be the most powerful, advancing, aggressive people on the planet. All the while resting as you do it. As you grow your business, resting. As you grow your family, resting. As you buy more property, resting. As you expand and write more books, resting. As you read more, resting. As you go to school, resting. As you clean your house, resting. Yeah, but that all sounds like work. Yeah, but if you're partnered with the victorious one, You can't fail. So if you can't fail, see, rest doesn't mean just the absence of activity. It means partaking of peace in the midst of all you're called to do. So this rest, this rest, actually this rest, the rest of faith, mixing your faith with the right ingredients and the God part, your part, is it's actually meant to, to be the leverage, to be the power to get done everything you need to get done and everything God's called you to do without stress. Without stress. Without stress. Without stress. Without stress. If you're stressed you're not resting if you're not resting you've you're not mixing your faith am i right because the rest is not just ceasing from your labors of Spiritual toil to measure up to what God has required through the law. But this rest you enter into is a rest of peace and calm, but not comfort. You okay with this? So we are. I mean, we're we're just. I think we're just. I don't know if you get this, but we are such a privileged people that what God puts on our heart we can't fail at it. Did you hear that? What God puts on your heart, you can't fail at it. What God puts on your heart, he has moment by moment direction, leading, clarity, provision, support. Everything you need to get done, what he's put on your heart, He has it for you. And that's this Sabbath rest that we enter into. And if you've missed it, it wasn't his fault. If you've missed it, and how many of you know we'll go through that? We love Hebrews 11. Why do we love Hebrews 11? Uh, One of the reasons we love Hebrews 11 is because when God is recounting Abraham's life and all of these guys, he doesn't remember that they had a slip-up now and then. The faith of Abraham, the faith of no other... And he's naming all of these guys who were called to do something, like build a giant boat, you know, bigger than this church. Uh, You know, he's naming all these people who were called to do something... And who exercised their faith to do it, but they did have some backslidings now and then. They did ask a question now and then, but then they got back on the horse. They, they, they got back on faith. They, they mixed it, they, they got back to mixing. And I love that. I love that. that that's, what, that's what he's going to say at the end of your days. Even though you've had a few moments, a few days, a few, a few relapses. You ever had a faith relapse? Don't shout over it. Why are you shouting over a faith relapse? No, 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 no. You're supposed to say, oh, my. That was me mercy, Lord. Have you had a faith relapse? Anybody had a faith relapse? If you've had a faith, I've had one. I've had two or three. I've had 10. I've had so many, we can't count them. But if you've had a faith relapse, you get back in there and mix your faith with it. All at once, that batter starts doing what it's supposed to do. And all at once, once again, you can bring forth what it is God ordained for you to bring forth. And you enter back in to rest Emotions calm. Adrenaline calms. Heart rate goes back to where it should be. Blood pressure, calm, right? What'd you do? You simply entered back in to rest by mixing your faith with the good news that he had given you. I think we got to do this every morning. I think we got to do this frequently. How many of you find you have to do this frequently? Craig's talking about that wind that's blowing against the sail. And, uh, you know, that's, the, that's an illustration of the enemy trying to blow the boat off course, trying to tip the boat over, right? But then he says that keel going down, that's like the Word of God down deep within you, right? That's God's portion of the ingredients, Yeah? And I was, thinking, I was thinking as he was talking about that, it's such a great illustration for us because all the Holy Spirit wants you to do is just turn the sail in the right direction and it'll take you to the destination. Right? So we just adjust, make adjustments with the way the adverse wind is hitting us and what the enemy thinks is going to Blow us over will actually take us to our destination. I have eight minutes. (laughs) Miracles never cease. In Jesus, our rest is always related to conquering territory. The more they conquered, the more they discovered his rest was real. The children of Israel. Likewise, the more we conquer, you're meant to conquer. You're a conqueror. The more they leaned on Jehovah as their warrior, the more they rested. As they saw those hornets chasing the bad guys out of their territory, they're like, whoa. Let's go to the next village. Let's start another business. Let's have another baby. Let's buy some more property. Let's build another church. Let's start another band. The more they, their rest was correlated with their victories, with their conquering, with them actually doing what it was God that was leading them to do. Amen? The more they learned to obey, the more they rested. So it's a rest that's coupled with Conquering. I wanted to get into this whole thing about uh, I, don't, I don't know that I will but but the promised land, I think, is kind of a picture of God's promises for us. And God's promises are part of this ingredient system, meant to be applied to our calling and our purpose. And I was thinking this morning actually about, uh, I don't know if I have it. Oh, I don't have my phone. Can you hand me my phone? Uh, let's go to Deuteronomy um, 28 real quick. It's just cool for us to realize that that every promise, 2 Corinthians one twenty, because Jesus was the perfect man representing us, He qualified us for every promise from God. And these promises are the assurance. Fact is, if if God tells you something, it's like a promise to you that He's going to bring it to pass. Right? So there's the promise of destiny. Then there's the promise of blessing along the way. Yes? Yes? Let's have the band come up and we'll try to help me close. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1. Now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments which I command you this day, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Now, I want to stop right there. Guess who fully obeyed the Lord your God? Jesus. Guess who did everything that was in the book to do? Jesus. Guess who has been set above all? Jesus. Guess who you're hidden in? Jesus. Guess who is your redemption, your salvation, your restoration, your qualifier? Jesus. So that means all these blessings right here belong to you. These are, these are what we mean by promises. This is what it means to have rest, knowing that what God has called you to, you can't fail. You can't fail unless you fail to mix your faith. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed will be your offspring. Blessed will be the produce of your ground. Blessed will be your beast and the increase of your herd. Blessed will be your basket and your kneading bowl. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated. They will come against you in one way, but flee before you in seven ways. And it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. Let's stand this morning. I want to ask you about mixing your faith. We have, every one of us, have multiple assignments in our lives. Remember what I told you last week. We do not want to stop at the destination of forgiven. That's a big mistake. Do not stop at the destination of forgiven. That's not the end of your Christian walk. These children of Israel the promised land that's where they stopped they stopped at the destination of forgiven and never made it into their promised land because they wouldn't mix their faith God has so much more for you than forgiven God has a fulfillment of assignments and destiny and purpose your life God has all of that for you as you mix your faith as we worship this morning I'm gonna ask some of the prayer team to come but I'm gonna open the altar all across the front some of us in here have had a relapse of faith not of saving faith not of I'm forgiven faith but we've had a relapse of the faith that we're called to assignments we've been given things that have been put into our hands, things we've been called to, things that God's shown us, we've had a relapse of some of that faith. And I believe that God is calling you this morning out of relapse. He's calling you to mix your faith again. Calling you to mix your faith again. Put aside a disappointment. Put aside a circumstance. Put aside accusations. Put aside whatever it is. You know best what's knocked you off your horse. But God is calling you back into a place of faith. Let's pray right now. Father, you show us where doubt has grown. You show us where doubt has grown. You show us where we've let ourselves get away from the voice of faith, the walk of faith, the declaration of faith, the prayer of faith, the strength of faith, the confidence of faith. Holy Spirit, we ask you to show us this morning Restore our faith to you. Not the faith of salvation, but the faith of what you've called me to do. The faith of what you have in mind. The faith of assignments, callings, words, directions. this morning. Let's find a place of prayer. Find a place before him. Receive help. Receive encouragement.